If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like <laughs> we are starting right now. This is going to be a little different. Usually, these are like in-depth, hour-long, tell me your life story type podcasts, and it's Vegas, so nobody has enough time for that right now. So we've got Haven and Shelby. Before we start, Haven posted a video on your birthday on Instagram of you loading rope and calves. Now, listen, to be honest, it's rarely a moment where somebody posts something on social media and instantly I'm like, I would be friends with them. That happened. So before we start, Haven, thank you. Shelby, thank you for that moment. It's a break. You know what it is? It's a break from like the perfect, right? You get a moment where Shelby's like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. How, I mean, everybody wants to know how it feels and all the stuff. Like, you can only imagine. But is this is this how you saw it going, honestly? Um, I, you know, you always see it going a bunch of different ways. And you have to kind of try and, like, push the negative thoughts out and just try and visualize the good things. And um, I, there's no way to actually see this, see this coming and see this how it's going. You know, it's like... It's literally a dream. It's one of those things that you you just can't believe that it happened. So So Haven now, do you think she's gonna be home like hugging the calves? Like this was a part of the process. <laughs> I'm not mad anymore. I love you. Load if you want to. Uh I don't think that, especially with the Holsteins, they're always a pain in the butt and usually there's two or three hot shots they get broke every month trying to push them up. So you I, can't I don't see love her Holsteins. I don't I don't see her loving on many of the calves. Is this okay? So I'll ask you because now her week's over. It transitions. Um, I don't even want to get into the breakaway controversy. I know there's a thousand questions we could go down that road. For the sake of time, we're going to circumvent that. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, I w- we're going to get back to that. Uh, is this how you saw her week going? Honestly, did you feel like coming into it? This is what it was going to be. Yeah, I knew coming into this week. Uh, as far as um, her winning it, you know, she had an unbelievable year and she just killed them everywhere she went and. I knew once she got on her good mare and stuff that they would be unstoppable, and pretty much they were. They were high-money winners, and she ended up second in the average and won the world. And, you know, it was pretty cool to wrap her year off and, and stuff. And then she went to the jackpots and did good at some of the jackpots out here. So, uh, you know, it was just a honestly a good way to finish it out in Vegas. So I keep up with breakaway casually. I keep up with rodeo casually, to be honest. I'm like a cap roping, team roping guy. But what was interesting to me is that you win it, and it wasn't like a underdog, oh my gosh, story. It felt different to me maybe than I would have thought because you win it and everybody's like, yeah, that's kind of what. Was that, was, was it almost, did it feel different to you, Haven, than you thought it would? Uh, Not really because, I mean, we all, she had a good lead coming in, but, you know, after the first day, and I knew after the sixth round it was over because she just needed to go out and make a good run and win some money in the round. So, honestly, after she did that, you know, I, I – was her and her sister and I were talking. We had tears running down our eyes and stuff. You Just know, it's that pretty, relief. Yeah, it was it's a supposed relief. to go that way, but the yeah. fact that it did. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And I was proud of her for being able to stay the course after missing a calf and not getting upset. She just stayed, kept her head down and kept roping, and it was pretty cool to be able to be a world champion. 
When Haven cries, does it make you cry? Haven, actually, that's funny he says that because him and my sister did not do that in front of me. Haven was actually the one in the back. Um, I was like, hey, do you think I have it won? And he said, we're not talking about that right now. We're finishing our business. We're here to win the average now. So he, uh, he must have like hit tone. those tears. Like, yeah. we're not talking about <laughs> yeah. it. He's like, it's not over. We're not celebrating. So, so I missed that part. How much of a benefit occupationally is it? Because one of the things I see a lot on social media is that both of you guys put a tremendous amount of time into horse training and you've always heard you can't rodeo and train horses and it seems to me like you guys are doing a good job of that is that do you feel like that enhances what you do by staying sharp with the horses I've been told my whole life you know through college and everything I got to quit horse training got to quit horse training and got to get a practice horse and you got to do this and you got to do that and um, I guess I've just been stubborn about it because I was like you know what I'm going to figure out how to train my horses and I'm going to figure out how to be competitive and train and then imagine if I can put those two together I always told myself you'll be unstoppable if you can figure out how to ride and rope at the same time at all times and so that was always my plan was just to prove the naysayers wrong that I can train and I can rope. Yeah and and to be fair like I ride a lot of young horses and I I don't really go that much I don't really care about jackpotting I'm loving doing the podcast I'm loving training young horses right but I did go to a jackpot the other day for the first time and I don't know how long and I was frustrated that I haven't kept that edge on my horses that I would normally keep on them because I'm riding a lot of three and four year olds by being competitive in your other life you're gonna expect more out of those horses at home than they like quote-unquote horse trainer would So if you're able to do it, there's an advantage to that because you know this is what I'm going to need to be competitive. And, man, it's not often that a horse trainer can keep that edge in that regard. Haven, on the the calf horses, is that just something you just enjoy? Uh, Yeah, I enjoy riding young horses and stuff. And, uh, I mean, it can get tricky uh, riding young calf horses. You get off slow. Hips get rocked a little bit. You know, it it takes a little bit. um, You know, after the fine line, a lot of people don't understand the fine line between being a a horse trainer and trying to be competitive. So it's just a fine line, and you have to figure out where that's at and how to be competitive still and try to be the best out there and compete with all the wolves everywhere. And if if you're starting horses that are already broke, you're saving yourself a lot of the headache. You know, it's not like you're raising them from yearlings and having to do the, like, colt starting stuff. And if they're broke when you start, you get to skip a lot of that. You know, it's not going to dull you too much. Um, I know, like, with what we do in the team roping world, run on cow is big right now. Like, that's, like, the big topic is run on cow. Now they're breeding four team roping horses. What's the – either one of you guys, what's the, what's the secret right now in the horse – bloodlines for what's what's making the best calf horses consistently go you're like we are sucker (laughs) i don't know honestly i think that we've kind of figured out a really good mix right now and um, Is is it like the secret sauce or do you guys talk about it it's the secret sauce We'll talk about it, but it's a secret When that little sauce. button goes from red to green, we'll discuss it. And that's a humble brag because I'm going to find out and I won't repeat it. But you guys are kind of protecting your process. No, not at all, really. We um, we actually bought, um, two years ago, I guess, we bought my good mare's mom. Um, it's Wimpy's turn. And so um, we bred her back a couple times to the same stud to get full siblings. And we have actually a six-year-old and a four-year-old full sibling to my good mare. And they're just unbelievable they have all the same things what kind of stuff all the same traits um whiz and starlight so it's all raining yeah it's all it's raining, raining but without the dull of being a raining horse like yeah. you're, you're getting them before they get dulled down oh yeah. yeah 
Yeah, the, it's all raining and. Um, where do you see the advantage from that from that kind of bloodline? Where do you see the advantage? You know, the horses are really um, they're quirky and they have some sting, and I don't think they're really meant to be rainers. Um, I think they're honest, honest to gosh. I think they are just bred to be rope horses. Well, and if you put them through rain and training, it takes a lot of that out of them. Like by, t- by the time they go through the raining process, they are they dole that out of them. Yeah. So to be able to get them while that's still there. Uh, what's the sorrel that you got on out here? That I'm riding here? Uh, it's actually her horse. I'm just borrowing it. Humble brag. It's, uh, <laughs> she trained it, did everything. Honestly, he's probably never even had 100 calves tied down in the practice pen. He's a very, very green calf horse. This is the first indoor building he's ever been to. So and many it, traditional wisdom would say that's incredibly stupid. Yeah. And yet it's working. So yeah. what? how did just uh, that horse's makeup, you knew yeah, he was going to take it? Yeah, honestly, that horse is kind of, he has his own personality, and he's fun to be around. Um, he likes to be your friend and stuff, but honestly, coming in, we knew it probably wouldn't bother him much. Um, just, you know, we we're trying to keep his confidence good and stuff coming into this place. He's a kick at sugar out of goodness gracious. Um, his mom didn't win a whole lot, I think $10,000, but obviously Kit Kat Sugar has won a lot of money. And, um, you know, we, we there's a couple full siblings out there that we'd like to ride, but uh, they're a little, they cost a little too much for us right now. So that horse has got just a monster one big move. Yeah. You know, you see horses that'll, that'll start into it and then collect and finish. That horse is like start to finish, it is one big move. How do you keep a horse like that usable because – in my mind, where they want to be a little stronger on their front end, has that been a challenge to keep that horse engaged on the rear end first, or is that just his deal? No, oh, he's always hitting his ass. I mean, that's the first thing he runs in you there and he ass. cows on his ass. I mean, okay. he, Shelby, we're all grown ups here. Yeah. He, you act like, yeah. I felt like we were in kindergarten for a second. You said ass, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like Jaco Roper. Out? Hey, <laughs> Rocker Steiner, this is how you cuss on TV. Yeah. Well, a minute ago, she said, honest to gosh. And I'm like, you know, we're like, you can, we can. I know you Canadians know how to speak. Yeah, literally, speak and drink. Um, So that's just been that horse's move all along. Yeah, honestly, he's just been a horse that's always just run in there and hit his butt, I mean, as hard as he can. And that can affect him a little bit. Um, You know, we've been trying to dole him out a little bit because he's such a big stopper, and it kind of hinders him sometimes when he runs in there and just kills the ground so hard. It's too much, and then he'll have to pop out of it if, you know. yep to get his feet back up under him and stuff when that calf hits him, but he's do been you, getting better about it. Do you it. think that's just something he's going to age into? The longer yeah. he goes, the better he gets, the more he's going to understand Yeah, it. I think he, he's got good bone. He's he's a little short-backed. He's not very big, but honestly, he's a tough sucker, and I think just another another year, I think yeah. I, I think by summertime, he'll be really, really good. Well, it's almost, I think sometimes those horses that are just monstrous when they're green like that, you almost don't need to fix them they just kind of sand off the rough edges just by doing it and then pretty yep. soon they're solid and that's it yeah just um, just good confident runs not running too many strong calves where he could hurt himself just running good slow medium calves letting him track them everywhere and just keeping his confidence good so shelby instead of breaking hot shots do you think maybe just let him run calves on that horse would be a better punishment <laughs> like maybe that would be a better birthday video yeah probably uh probably not she doesn't let me barely jerk my calves in the practice but no i, I that's why them i didn't have away, a hot bud. shot in the video i i love my calves she's a pedo over I'm here a, yeah i so, get mad at haven if he jerks them too hard and there's certain calves in the pen if he's got his rope tied on and not a breakaway tied on i'm like nope no. you're not doing it <laughs> i'll let the calf out i've got muleys <laughs> and a set of mexicans and as stupid as it sounds like i can I can sit and watch Mexican steers eat for like an hour 
Yeah, I just love them. I love roping steers. And then we got this set of muleys, and they're solid black, even. They all look like a good set. They're fat, they're full, they're healthy, and you know, we're roping them. But say, I actually, I don't know if that's a good look or not to say, but I actually really like cattle too. And so if people come over and they're acting dumb, I'm like, get out. Like, don't, <laughs> you tie your horse up. You can work shoots. Yeah. <laughs> what was the thought getting, oh, two thoughts. What was the reason for starting on the bay, and then what was your reason for getting off of him? And then I'm going to Shelby because I got well, 10,000 breakaway questions. And I feel like Shelby knows the answer. So now I'm curious if you're going to say the answer that I think. Well, the Sarl tried to tell me the whole time that I should have rode him the first, but I really wanted to ride the bay. Um, he was awesome at the house and been really good. But uh, And he was the one that got me here. Um, I won a lot, a lot of money on right. him and stuff. So I wanted to give him a chance, but I guess I shouldn't give him a chance because I should have won the round, the first round on that calf. So uh, after that horse kind of, the ground's a little wet and he kind of rolled up on his hawks and pushed the calf down the arena. And that's when I, I told, I called her and she's like, I told you so. Yeah. So that's the look from Shelby. It was <laughs> if he was going to admit, I told you so or not. Well, and that's a, I mean, to me, that's the hard thing out here is you're never getting off of a bad horse. Yeah. It's literally, you're just trying to find something that's the right mixture for this setup. Yeah. And, and good on you for being willing to try it on one that, and I think, don't both of you guys don't you think that when you're riding young horses every single day i wouldn't recommend it for somebody that doesn't but when you're riding young horses every single day and that's just a big part of what you do you kind of have an insight on what's going to take it and what's not you've been doing this long enough like if there's the there's the there's the mentality of a horse you're like i know it's not going to bug him yeah you you can only learn that by doing it through a lot of horses yep so you that shelby the i told you so part you full-on said need to start on the sorrel I didn't tell him. He he was kind of going back and forth on it, and uh, he said, I think I'm going to start on on smoke. And I was like, okay. And hmm. he said, why? What do you think? And Nothing. I said, no big deal, honey. I'm fine. It's yeah. all fine. I said, you know how to win. <laughs> and that was it. And he's like, well, tell me what you're thinking. I said, you know how to win. And then uh, Like he we're decided, stupid. We don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, decided literally. on the second round he was going to get on Little Punch. But um, he went to a jackpot. He went to Chris Neal's roping before, and he took Little Punch there. And... Um, he did awesome. I think his slowest run was like a 7.5 or a 7.6 on him on oh. six head or something like that. He was tying him at 7.1 all day. Now she's twisting the knife because and she's not uh, only saying you should have rode him. She's giving reasons <laughs> yeah, this why is she why. was right. Yeah, this I, is why. It's deeper. I probably ran yeah. 15 calves between two jackpots and my slowest time was, I think, eight flat. Yeah. So, I mean, that horse, I feel like that horse was like, hey. I'm ready. And I'm trying. What else do you want yeah, from me? Yeah, he was like, Dad, come on. I'm ready. And Haven was Haven went back to Old Faithful on him. But I think that that horse is ready, and I think that he's going to do big things. And I think that it's pretty special that he gets to be shown in the Futurities and the Thomas and Mac the same year. That is. That's right. Yeah. How far? So not for the sake of controversy at all. <laughs> Just for the sake of curiosity. Um has this been a weird week for the breakaway community with the extension? Um, Does it feel like a step backwards? Yeah. I that I kind of was talking about that. I felt like we just caught so much, so much momentum. And uh, I guess I'm just going to speak freely right now. But we Nobody caught so much momentum. And we built it. And it was just like it snowballed. And it was just so good. And it built so fast. And we just we were on this heater. And then we had so many great jackpots. We went from winning like two hundred to 300000 a year at our jackpots. Well, then we're like, oh, we have the chance to go to the PRCA rodeos and breakaway. So then that's where we focused our time. And that's where we put all of our 
our money. Well, then our jackpots died off because we all went to all the pro rodeos and did that. And then um, I feel like we were just like, okay, we're getting closer to getting in the Thomas Mac, blah, blah, blah. Well, then I feel like this happened and now we're like, okay, well, we just ran off all of our jackpots and yeah. we put all of our effort into pushing and pushing and trying to get the breakaway into the Thomas and Mac. And now I feel like we're just, we're just on a downhill slide now again. I'm like, well, now we kind of have to start over. We have to try and rebuild our jackpots if we're not going to be able to make the money at the rodeos or be able to make them at our finals. Or like, it's kind of just really sad and it kind of broke my heart because I was like, well, where do we go from here now? Because, you know, it went I from want, being so great. I want to ask a question that's going to sound like I have an opinion. I just want to, I just want to put, no, I'm serious. I just want to put information on the table and I want to hear what, I want to hear you sort through it if you would. If you look at it from LVE standpoint, they sell out every night. Yep. The perf is already doing great by bringing another event in. It's not like they could sell more tickets. Um, there are people that would say like the breakaway doesn't stand to bring something more than it already is. Again, I want to clarify so that I don't, nobody murders me. <laughs> I'm not saying I agree. Yeah. Um, and then and then also at the same time, I'm like, what you guys are doing as far as going to 5,000 rodeos a year with the hope that maybe it's going to break loose. Is there ever a time where you guys go, why, why are we doing this? Why don't we go to a venue that wants us bad enough that they're going to make us their premier spot? and build breakaway and jackpots around in the same way that Vegas has done with the rodeo, with the World Series and things like that. Is there a thought that there's a place that wants you guys, instead of feeling like you're hanging around waiting for an invite that just keeps not coming, yeah. are, are you guys to the point you're thinking like, why don't we find a venue that treats us as, you know, is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah. And you know what? I think as far as, like what you said, you know, we are not maybe, we're maybe not adding anything as far as um, more money or anything like that to the Thomas and Mac. We can't bring anything else, but I think what we will add to the Thomas and Mac is, I think there's thousands and thousands and thousands of little boys every year that get to watch the Thomas and Mac and they get to watch e each and every event and just decide which one they want to do and just dream about being yeah. there. And I think what we can bring is that that same thing for little girls. And That's I think that there answer. needs to be more little girls that have that. Well, and if I'm LVE and I'm planning on doing this for the next 10 or 15 years, by growing the fan base, you're growing attendance in Las Vegas. You're growing the sales at the Cowboy Christmas. You're investing long-term into a more well-rounded fan base. Um, because I, what frustrates me is I've got a daughter that's 12 years old and I'm not sure that the whole picture of women's rodeo gets told. This is, we're speaking freely, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, I would jump off a cliff if my daughter told me she wanted to grow up as a occupational influencer. Yeah. Like that would just, no offense. Like if you're a Western influencer, great, good for you. I just know her and I know her personality and know who she is. And if she felt like she had to get pigeonholed into something that didn't fit her, that would be a bummer, right? Yeah. Or angry male looking female that demands and kicks doors down and, and, that's not what women's rodeo really is. The majority of it is families and moms and wives and these people that really do contribute. The women that, that chose to stay home and be the homemaker while the husband's off rodeo because that's what they wanted to do. They chose it because that's what they wanted to do. If there was a more well-rounded view of women's rodeo in general that then is on display at a place like the Thomas and Mac, I don't know how you... I mean, you're almost having to tear the mountain down and rebuild it because yeah. the branding has, in my in my opinion, has been so mismanaged. Yeah. I remember, I won't say names, I'll tell you after, I had a friend, <laughs> a good friend, and his dad and his sister were breakaway in one day, 
somebody we both know, and she couldn't get her horse in the back of the box. And she was mad, and she was screaming, and out of nowhere, the dad comes around and starts tuning on the horse to get him to back up. And she's screaming, and he's yelling, and it's crazy and chaos that is. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Yep. And the mom is like, stop, you're being mean. Well, like, not nothing abusive, for the record. Even in the story, it's nothing <laughs> abusive. It's not like anything you do to rope and calf and a lead up or anything. Um, but those types of stories that really do tell the depth of a family dynamic, where are they? Yeah. Where are the Where are the stories? You know, you've got all these media companies and all these places that want to enhance rodeo, but like to me, that family unit that includes the whole family is is missing. And as a result, it's hard for people to conceptualize why breakaway fits into the Thomas and Mac unless that's established. Yep, for sure. And you know, um, I think that it's just one of the coolest things ever. You know, Lisa Lockhart, Brittany Tanazi, those bell racers that are able to get to the Thomas and Mack year after year after year because it does take a once in a lifetime special horse to get you there. Yeah. The barrel racing is just insane. Well, they say Lisa's been there 17 years like, now. That 17. is unbelievable. But and as far as the breakaway roping, like, I, I know I didn't come from money. And so the breakaway roping gave me somewhere where, you know, you could go by. I mean, my black mare that made me who I am, I paid $1,200 for. And there's a lot of girls that are the same way. I'm pretty sure Taylor Munsell has the same story. I know a lot of girls that just don't have expensive horses. Why, and they why made it. is Taylor Munsell's one-eyed 17-year-old horse that she bought for $2,500 not the most famous breakaway horse ever? <laughs> one-eyed, listen, one-eyed, $2,500, aced him to get in the box when she tried him. For twenty five hundred, and she makes the finals on him twice. Those are the kind of stories that are just missing. And these girls get to why. be somebody, and they get to come and they get to make a lot of money. I mean, the money's not where that we would love to see it, but it's a lot of money still for us, and um, the sponsorships and everything else. And we're just living our dream, and we don't have to have. I mean, it is a once in a lifetime horse to us, but you know, we don't have to have that one special horse and maybe just get our one chance at the Thomas and Mac. Right. We can be there year after year, and we can make the finals year after year. And it's a different avenue for the girls that maybe their heart's not in barrel racing, or maybe that's just that's just not in the cards for us. Here I go controversial again, just for the sake of the question. <laughs> I, I really, I think these are questions that I wish someone would ask, and so I don't want to be the one to ask them when I'm going to. Haven, maybe don't weigh in on this, right? You yeah. just stay safe over there. <laughs> Haven, Can I get behind the couch? Neutral. <laughs> but when the breakawayers are always knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, not getting in, does that weaken y'all's position when the other option could be, screw this, we're going like Houston, 50,000, the American, 50,000. All these places are putting up equal money. You guys are having a real successful regular season by comparison. Does it weaken your position to keep trying to get in, or do you think that the carrot on the end of the stick is worth the effort to get in if it, if it works in the end? I think it's, it's worth it so big, and I think that – it would just be unbelievable. Could you, I could not imagine being in high school and, you know, I used to just watch Jackie's videos on YouTube, but could you imagine being a high school girl or a junior high girl and getting to watch your sport in the Thomas and Mac? I just, it would literally be unbelievable. And so I think that's what we're pushing for. And I think that's the ultimate goal. And um, I think the goal is that we're not going to go away and we're going to keep pushing and that well, would that would be the growing. end goal, but you know what? If that isn't the end goal, if we could just get the money to where right, the money right. the money's right, the, yeah. you know, for me, I'll rope I'll rope wherever as long as it's for the same money. But the Thomas and Mac would just be, it yeah. would just be the, yeah. that's it. That would be the ultimate goal. You so. got to go to the Cowboy Channel. Last question: Anybody staying on the bay the rest of the week? Shane, you and Shane talked. 
Uh, he went to you gotta pick that up off your shirt. He he went to breakaway on <laughs> peso today, Logan Bird. So we're gonna see. Uh, he hasn't texted me back what his plan is yet. That's usually an answer. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for jumping on, man. I would listen. I would love to do this again. Do you guys you guys in Arizona ever? Uh, just like one day, we'll be there for the Royal Crown. Okay. Well, if it works out, I would actually love to do more like an in-depth, like the typical kind of podcast we do. I, uh, there's tons of y'all's story I really don't know. So appreciate you guys stopping by. Best yep. of luck the rest of this week. Okay, let's do – okay, before you go, and I know you got to go, we need some sort of like a flatbed shout-out if Haven wins the round. Now, I know there's a lot on your mind, but if you win the round, what – Shelby, what's there some sort of signal that's like, oh, I heard about that. He did it. I got to see it. Like, like a gang sign? No, not like a gang sign. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't okay, know. Kinda, okay, kind of a little okay. bit. Like a <laughs> I don't know. If you think of stuff, then we'll put it out. Just go win around and we'll figure it out for that. Thank, Thank you. you guys for jumping on. Thank you.